0: C.S. Lewis Podcast with Alistair McGrath.
1: Thank you for listening to the show that brings you the thought and theology of C.S. Lewis with me, Ruth Jackson. Discover more about Lewis by visiting premierunbelievable.com, where you can also find lots of great articles, resources, and podcasts. And you can also register there for the chance to win a free book. If you enjoy listening to the C.S. Lewis Podcast, please do consider rating and reviewing it. But now for today's show. On November the 22nd, 1963, Clive Staples Lewis, Jack to many of his friends, died in Oxford, England. Sixty years after C.S. Lewis's death, is he still relevant? I am joined once again by Professor Alistair McGrath, a C.S. Lewis scholar whose faith journey in many ways mirrors Lewis's own. Both men were raised in Northern Ireland, studied at Oxford University and went on to become professors there. They also both came to faith from atheism slightly later in life. Alistair has written numerous books on C.S. Lewis, including his seminal biography, C.S. Lewis, A Life. Now, lots of us have moved, in some senses, whether we like it or not, into the digital space. We're recording now remotely. You and I are in different places. And I suppose, in many ways, Lewis was quite ahead of his time in the way that he engaged with modern media modern media back then obviously not social media but you know with the radio um mere Christianity started off as radio broadcast for the BBC do you think his engagement with modern media is is part of how he continues to maintain his enduring relevance even 60 years after his death
2: yes I like that question very much because I've often thought about this um I mean, most people will, in effect, deliver lectures to an audience. And that means you can watch their faces and you can kind of way respond to that. Lewis did that at Oxford all the time. He was one of Oxford's best lecturers. But with his original radio broadcast that became Mere Christianity, Lewis couldn't see an audience. He had to write with an audience in mind. And what I think he did was I think he had... um, people in mind who he thought were in the audience and kind of way wrote with them in mind but Lewis I think had this wonderful ability to transcend the limits of any specific audience and that's something which I think may have been helped along by using radio as a medium where Lewis could project himself onto an audience he was not seeing and was able to in effect connect up with them so I think in that sense uh, there's a real strength here but One thing Lewis was intensely aware of was the importance of face-to-face interaction. Think of the Inklings, think of his late novel, Till We Have Faces, where the face is almost like a metaphor of personal identity. You need to see somebody's face to be able to relate to them. I think Lewis actually is rather old-fashioned to know that that a good conversation, a good relationship, is based on seeing someone face-to-face. So I think there's a sense in which Lewis has remarkably been able to engage... (laughs) Uh, you know, with with a distant, invisible audience. But I think Lewis's own preference would be to sit down with them for a cup of tea and talk to them.
1: And I suppose, kind of linked into his radio broadcasts, Lewis is known for his ability to make quite complicated theological concepts understandable and relatable to to the average person. Um, I guess, you know, those radio broadcasts started, didn't they, speaking to RAF soldiers? And uh, Lewis had to take what he'd learned in the kind of uh, academy and and distill it in that context. So what can we learn today from him in, in how we do this, how we take these complex theological concepts and make them relatable?
2: Well, I think there are three things I would say. First of all, Lewis really knew Christianity very well. I think that's the first thing. He really knew what Christianity was. But secondly, I think Lewis also knew his audience. He knew he knew them by experience. He talked to them. And Lewis is able to, have to make connections in this way. But in terms of the way he spoke, as we were just saying a few minutes ago, Lewis uses rational arguments. He also appeals to the imagination. He appeals to feelings. So in effect, what Lewis is doing is going beyond the traditional audience for and um, the BBC during the Second World War, which is very rational, and in effect, was opening up different ways of engaging with people, which meant he used multiple levels of engagement. So he knew the Christian faith, he knew an audience, and he had these, if you like, three major um, rhetorical techniques for connecting with them, and used them very effectively. Each of those we can learn from. Alistair,
1: who are some of the key people that we know, Lewis? Um, influenced in a significant way?
2: Well, Lewis has influenced a very large number of people. In fact, the more I talk to people about Lewis, the more I I, I add to my list because they will very often say, look, uh, I really owe this to Lewis. Um, And I think it's very important just to begin by saying that um, many Christian writers who want to write novels, who want to write fantasy, would say they were inspired by Lewis or perhaps by J.R.R. Tolkien. In other words... Mm seeing somebody else do it makes you want to do it makes you realize I could do this as well I think that's a very important point to make but a second point I think I want to make here is actually uh, if I can put it like this Lewis is also someone who um whose story if you like encourages people to think I can do something like this so it's an inspiration element nobody could have predicted this but it happened But if we look at Tim Keller, who I think is a very good example of a recent writer, sadly died but he he was a major preacher and apologist in New York City, and he learned a huge amount from C.S. Lewis. He's very explicit about this. He said, my task is to take Lewis. And to present him and use him to an audience which has a kind of attention deficit problem. In other words, Lewis people could listen to Lewis for hours. They'll listen to me for about five minutes. And I've really got to do in in that short time what Lewis was able to do more expansively. But basically what Tim Keller said is Lewis is great. I've just got to adapt him to a culture which has a shorter attention span. So there are many people who, in different ways, would look to Lewis and say, this guy is an inspiration, and um, although we're doing our own thing, this guy helped us to do it.
0: Before we rejoin the rest of today's podcast, I have a very special offer for you to help you have an even more meaningful spiritual experience this Easter. As you know, N.T. Wright is without doubt one of the greatest Christian thinkers and apologists of our time, and some of Tom Wright's answers to questions about Jesus' death, resurrection and return are some of the most poignant and thought-provoking. That's why we've created a brand new downloadable devotional resource that's perfect for the Easter season, featuring these questions and Tom's answers. This five-day devotional journey titled Jesus' Death, Resurrection and Return is only available to friends like you as our thanks for your gift today. And remember, your support is truly critical to help keep resources and podcasts like Ask to Write Anything and Unbelievable Going Strong because this ministry is completely funded by friends like you. So please give the very best gift you can today and make sure to download your copy of Jesus' Death, Resurrection and Return devotional at premierinsight.org forward slash CS Lewis. That's premierinsight.org forward slash CS Lewis. Thank you.
1: This is an absolutely massive question. But in what ways do you think Lewis has impacted our culture, our society, our thinking? I mean, you could just paint a a picture of what is I mean, you know, just give us a snapshot of what is clearly a huge influence that he has had on, on all of these things.
2: Well, Hank, one of the things that we, we, we're seeing very clearly is the resurgence of interest in telling stories and apologetics. In other words, when someone asks you to af- explain or defend the Christian faith, instead of giving a rational argument, you tell a story. And actually, that works very, very well. It might be your own story. Here's how I discovered Christianity. But Lewis, Hank, really helps us to do that. I think alongside that, there's Lewis's in effect, remarkable ability, which has inspired so many people to, in effect, um, want to use the visual arts, because they can see that where Lewis is pointing is, away from reason, towards the imagination, the next step along that, of course, is the visual arts. How can we use Lewis to stimulate thinking about the arts? Lewis himself didn't do much of that, but he points in certain directions. That's the next big thing in Lewis, studies, I think, in effect Lewis and the visual arts.
1: And again this is a huge question but do you think that Lewis still speaks today to some of the big cultural issues that we're dealing with? Uh, Just as as an example perhaps gender identity or sexuality or technology, mental health? Does Lewis still speak today to some of these key hot topics?
2: I think that's a really good question. I'm going to give you two answers. The the first part of the answer is simply this. I think he does. Um, If you look, for example, at a science fiction trilogy um, or the, the book, The Abolition of Man, you can see Lewis, I think, reflecting very intelligently, almost presciently, in other words, um, about what technology is going to do to us and giving us some very, very good arguments. But here's the second point of my argument. It's not Lewis necessarily speaking directly to our modern situation. It's people who've read Lewis and can see... I can figure out how to use him to talk about this. In other (laughs) words, uh, it's Lewis in partnership with others who can make the connections because we are right here now. We can see these things and we can see how Lewis can be used. So therefore we use Lewis to speak to this and thus extend both his range and his reach. So that's one of the reasons why I think Lewis is so significant. There are so many people who like him and can see how to use him to speak to these questions you're talking about.
1: Well, it's interesting you mentioned that abolition of man there, because I know that that's a a book that lots of people talk about in light of kind of modern culture. And I suppose in light of the fact that we currently seem to be living in a rather subjective relativistic culture, what relevance do you think this book has today? And I suppose what would Lewis think of, of of where we are, where modern society now is, because I suppose in some senses it's even further along that kind of subjective relativistic culture than it was for, for his day in his time.
2: Yes, I think that's a very important point. And certainly Lewis is very much alert to issues of personal identity. And one of the points he's making is how do we actually establish our personal identity Is it to do with our identity as, for example, a citizen of a certain country or a person of a particular sexual orientation? Or is it, in effect, to do with who I would like to be, but I'm not yet? These are all very good questions. What Lewis is saying really is that we need to find something ultimate. We need to ground our identity in something that is both empowering and liberating and identity giving. And, of course, for Lewis, that was very much what the Christian faith was all about. What I think more Christian preachers need to discover is a way in which they can use Lewis to, in effect, affirm the importance of finding our personal identity and, above all, how relating to Christ and relating to God is a really important aspect of that. Because I think that's something that um, is becoming increasingly important and Lewis does speak to this. And that's why we need people who know Lewis, know the situation and can see the connections that could be made.
1: Anastasia, you've definitely already touched on this, but I guess in what ways is Lewis of his time and in what ways was he actually ahead of his time?
2: Well, Lewis clearly um, reflects the values of a given point in culture. Great Britain, particularly England, uh, really during the 1940s and 1950s when he was at his most active and most creative. That's a problem, I guess. But um, it's also... um, a problem that can be overcome. Because what Lewis is doing is in effect saying, here is how you can use reason, the imagination, human feelings to speak into this situation. I've done that for you. Can you see how you could do this where you are today? In other words, Lewis, if you like, is, is not giving us a finished product. it 's giving us a toolkit and saying, I've given you these tools. Can you please go and use them? I've, I've modeled how to do it. Take my toolkit, use it. So I think that Lewis really is, is almost like a resource for further engagement. And again, so important, Lewis empowers those a generation later who can say, we, we we know this situation, we can see what needs to be done. And we can take Lewis and develop him and use him to speak into this situation.
1: Now, the sort of subtitle of your brilliant biography here, Eccentric Genius Reluctant Prophet, mm-hmm. would you say then that C.S. Lewis is something of a prophet today?
2: He was at the time. And Lewis, I think, spoke art prophetically because he felt there were other people who should be doing this who weren't. And therefore, even though he didn't think he would be a very good prophet, he said, I've got to do this. And, you know, maybe we can learn from that. You know, that actually, if nobody else is doing what needs to be done, maybe we have to do that. So I think Lewis really does serve as a prophet in his own right. He was challenging um, a lot of norms of his culture and saying, are you really sure you've got this right? You have this obsession with innovation and novelty. Are you quite sure that's a, that's a good thing? I mean, it could lead you really down a, a very dark road. Saint so Lewis is a prophet, both in the sense of um, raising questions about the future, but also offering that prophetic critique of the present and saying the way you are thinking about the future is shaped by your view of the present, and that is inadequate.
1: Thank you for listening to the C.S. Lewis podcast with me, Ruth Jackson. Discover more about Lewis by visiting premierunbelievable.com, where you can also find lots of great articles, resources, and podcasts. And do register there for the chance to win a free book. That's premierunbelievable.com. If you enjoy listening to the C.S. Lewis podcast, please do consider rating and reviewing it. Thank you for listening and see you next time.